Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome to my spot on the bleachers. I'm glad you came by today because I got some sport news, sports news I want to talk to you about. Just bring yourself a seat cushion, a koozie, grab a cold one out the cooler. I'm Don Glenn, and this is Talking Sports on the Bleachers. You got to get it done. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Gentlemen, start your engines. Rommel on the shotgun, here's the snap, Rommel looking, dumps it off right side, intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson, and there is your Gallagher! Rule for the widespread stance, arms out over the plate, Bickford from the stretch, the 1-1 one, one pitch, a play, and there it goes! That's the show. If you're new, I hope you enjoy it and become a regular. This is where we get together and talk sports. And I'm going to let you know that talking sports on the bleachers is a proud part of Gateway City Sports and GatewayCitySports.com. Gateway City Sports, you can find articles and content, podcasts on sports in and around the St. Louis Bi-State area, including, of course, the Cardinals, Blues, Battlehawks, St. Louis City Soccer. You can also find content on an, on the NCAA, the Missouri Tigers are fighting a line. So check out GatewayCitySports.com. And I'm going to get to them a little bit later in the show, but uh, the Cardinals, I just finished watching the Cardinals uh, win their sixth game in a row, beating the Cubs 7-2 in Wrigley Field. Steven Matz gets his first win of 2023. Jordan Walker, a big home run. 
Tyler O'Neill in his first game back reached base three times, uh, two walks and a double. Nolan Arenado, uh, Walker, and Paul DeYoung each had two RBIs, and DeYoung extended his hitting streak to 17, or not hitting streak, excuse me, his on-base streak, excuse me, his on-base streak to 17 games. So let's get started. They call it the All-Star Weekend, All-Star Fest. It's all, All-Star Bore Fest for me. The last few years, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm 62 years old. So I've seen a lot of All-Star games. And I used to love watching the All-Star games. But it's, it's just become eh to me anymore. Uh, the National League did finally win a game. Uh, yay for them. The first time since 2012 that the NL has come out on top in the Midsummer Classic. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I don't watch it anymore. I, I rarely do watch the All-Star game, you know, unless there's going to be a number of, of, like, Cardinal players in it or, or, you know, there's a player that I do want to see that I don't get to see on a regular basis. But then again, you're only going to see him for two or three innings anyway. You know, like I said, I used to love to watch it. it, it was, there was a lot of... I mean, the players had fun. They they showed some excitement. They showed some exuberance. Um, you know, it's just they hype it so much now. It just can't live up to the hype that they give it. They make it this grand big thing that's going to happen, and you're going to see such great plays. And yeah, that's not that's not it. That's not it. The All Star Game was about. Having fun and seeing players that you don't normally see. Well, nowadays with the with uh, the games all on TV, anywhere and everywhere that you can, that people want to pay for it to get to it, or find a, a streaming service that'll carry a game here and there, it's almost impossible not to be able to see a player you want to see. It's easy to do. So it's not what it used to be. Um, but then again, like I said, they also had fun back then. I mean, I remember 1993, Randy Johnson pitching to John Cruck. He threw the first pitch about a foot and a half above Cruck's head. Um, and Cruck stepped out of the box and he started patting his chest like he was trying to get his heart started again or he was having the vapors, you know, something like that. They stepped back in and he didn't even want to be in that batter. He took three swings on pitches he had no business swinging at he didn't even try to hit the ball he was just swinging to get the hell out of there (laughs) and laughing the entire time it was beautiful it was hilarious it was fun uh it happened again in 97 larry walker and it was again uh randy johnson you know threw one over walker's head well walker he just Stepped to the other side of the batter's box, took his batting helmet, turned it around so he had the ear flap on the right side, and took a swing, <laughs> took a swing right-handed. You know, then after that pitch, he stepped back into the left side of the box. I think he ended up working for a walk or something like that. Anyway, but it was fun stuff like that. Um, you know, then in t- 2002, even, Barry Bonds was robbed. I mean, I mean robbed. Torrey Hunter just, I don't know how he caught the ball, jumps up makes the catch at the top of the wall, keeps Bonds from hitting an all-star home run, and he's coming off the field, and Bonds rushes out there, grabs him by the waist, picks him up and throws him on his shoulder and carries him around for, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 seconds, something like that. And they they were both smiling, laughing, having, I mean, just yucking it up. Um, 
Cal Ripken Jr. in 2001. He started to go to the, to his position, you know, on the field, and and A Rod steps up and he starts and he's you know saying no no you go over here. He wanted to switch positions with him. And they show they cut away to show a picture of Joe Torre, and Joe Torre's like go ahead whatever I don't care you know. That's what the game was supposed to be. It's for fun. Do you millennials and 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 gotta have it now, jokers? Understand the word fun? You probably don't. That's what your problem is. But then you've had the exciting plays, too. Reggie Jackson hitting a home run off the light standard at at Tiger Stadium. Um, You know, Pete Rose running over Ray Fossey at home plate. I mean, it had a mix of everything, and now it's just... I don't know. There's no life in that game. There's no fun. There's nothing. I mean, I I just don't get it. I I I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think they overhype it for the first in the, in the most part. I think also it's just become useless. It's not the break in the baseball schedule that we used to love. You know, you you get two, three days off from baseball. You could kind of relax. You watch the All-Star game. You know, okay, fine, cool. Um, and then you go back to baseball. You know, one thing I do miss about the All-Star game is the old-timers game. They used to have an old-timers game. Um, and the, 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 the one I remember the most is 1982. Like I said, I'm 62 years old. I, under, I I I go back a ways, okay? But 1982, and if you've ever seen, if you haven't seen it, Google it. It's 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 amazing. 75 year old Luke Appling steps up to the plate, batting against Warren Spahn. I think Spahn was in his 60s. I'm not sure. Anyway, Spahn throws him a bit, and Appling bangs one out in. I mean, hits a home run to left field. Uh, it was left or left center, something like that. But it just, that was, I mean, first it was the thing, was the only, he's the only 75-year-old to hit a home run in any type of organized MLB event, um, you know, and it was just so much fun to see that. They don't do that anymore. They try to do the celebrity all-star game, all-star base uh, softball game. Uh, that was a joke. Um, to see, I mean, now the, I'm the players tried. I mean, God give them what they were. The McCovey, I think he played a, one in one of them. Uh, I know Raleigh Fingers and Catfish Hunter played. Uh, Ozzie Smith played. They tried to make it something, and it wasn't. It just wasn't the same. Um, because all you've really got besides the All-Star Game is the Home Run Derby. And oh my God, who flipping cares? Who cares? Does anybody... I want I want to know. And I'm honest and I'm serious about this, guys. If you're out there listening to this right now, and you actually care who wins the Home Run Derby at the All-Star Game, I want you to send an email to... T-S-O-T-B dot G-C-S at 
gmail.com. Let me know. I also, or you can send it to my Twitter, the show's Twitter account, TSA, excuse me, at TSOTBGCS. Tell me you actually like watching and are interested in who wins the Home Run Derby. I don't really care. Now I watched it last year because Albert Pujols was in it, and I I wait I watched until he was he was uh, out, and then okay fine. Now if he'd have won, was I going to be happy? Yes. Uh, was I upset because he lost? No. Um, I I didn't it didn't phase me one way or the other because it's nothing it means nothing, and they're trying to do it now with the whole uh, making it a player versus player thing and that's just a joke itself what they really need to do if they want to get serious about making it fun for people that show up and for people that are viewing at home watching the game have a skills competition I mean it have a skills competition have a bunting competition you know uh, have a uh, have the outfield or, or set or the uh, excuse me uh, outfield info or, anyway hitting away from, from the plate have it set up in zones distances and, and, and widths and a player gets certain points for hitting the ball into those zones. You know. Um, have a fielder field ten times you know ten different uh, uh, fungal hits down to his, his assigned spot. Yeah. But what my point is do something different because what you're doing is Boring. Let the guys have fun during the game. Let them have fun. I mean, if Clayton Kershaw wants to go out and play first base, let him. Who cares? The game means nothing. It's We're out there watching these guys having fun. The only thing that really upsets me about the All-Star game is the guys that are voted in, that aren't hurt, that decline the nomination and don't show up. I don't care if you decline the nomination. You don't want to play, that's fine. I'm good with that. But at least show up and acknowledge the fans that voted for your stinking ass. You know? That's just the way I look at it. Uh, as far as the Cardinals in the All-Star game, the only one representative, Nolan Arenado, he went 0 for 2. He did make a nifty play at third base, uh, according to um, the re- game recap. Uh, so now the second half is officially underway. And uh, we're, let's see, today is the 20th, so we're about 10 days before the trade deadline action really gets into high gear. So now, while the All-Star game should be fun, and there's one thing that, you know, we all know is not fun, and that's buying a car. I mean, it's stressful. But there's one place that is trying to change all of that. That's Fifth Street Motors at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri. Fifth Street Motors are going to help you find the vehicle you want, no matter what brand. Fifth Street Motors believes in giving you the absolute best price on a pre-owned vehicle, no matter what your budget. Check out what stress-free car buying can be. Give Brandon or Don a call today at 573-259-1306. That's 573-259-1306. And tell them 
Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. Well, it's a scandal in the Big Den. Now, I wrote about this last week, and you can find my article at gatewaycitysports.com. But uh, if you follow the NCAA, you've probably heard about the scandal, or actually scandals, uh, going on over at Northwestern in the Big Ten. It's actually led to the firing of 17-year head coach, uh, football coach, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, Following an investigation into hazing allegations, uh, they fired Fitzgerald on July 10th. Uh, Three days later, they fired first-year head baseball coach Jim Foster on allegations of bullying and um, inappropriate comments. Uh, The Fitzgerald's investigation started in November of last year, 2022. Uh, The school hired the law firm Errant Fox Schiff. Uh, After the investigation was concluded, the executive summary cited there was enough supporting evidence to conclude that hazing was taking place. And the lead investigator, Maggie Hickey, states she and her team could not find any specific conduct by an individual or coach or that anyone had direct knowledge of it. It was determined by the administration that Fitzgerald should have known about what was going on. And on Friday, July 7th, University President Michael Schill placed Fitzgerald on a two-week suspension without pay. Here's where it gets interesting, folks. On Saturday, uh, the school newspaper cited accounts from anonymous players reporting that uh, the details of hazing, uh, which included things such as doing bear crawls and pull-ups and other physical activities naked. Uh, Then there was something called the car wash, in which a player would strip naked as the other players were forced to brush up against or brush past them. Uh, They would then be sprayed with a hose. Uh, the players indicated there was a whiteboard uh, with uh, titled Shrek's List written on it. Players' names would be added to that board, meaning they were targets for hazing. It was also said that upperclassmen had a uh, way they did that out in the field, is they would walk by a player and then uh, make a clapping motion over his head, uh, indicating he was the next hazing target. Uh, now, it's also been reported that Pat Fitzgerald did do this on occasion, which would lead people to believe he uh, had knowledge of what was going on. So after all that uh, was uh, done, or when they released that, then the uh, players came out with a supposed uh, statement, uh, and it was originally stated that it was... Uh, uh, Presented or signed by is what I think is a, I think it said signed by all Northwest the entire Northwestern football team, which later may have been turned out to not be the exact truth. Um, this uh, letter supposedly uh, tried to refute the facts of or the statements made to the uh, school newspaper and said they were exaggerated and or twisted and that uh, Coach Fitzgerald had no knowledge of the hazing that was going on. Later that Saturday, after all this came out, Schill then released a statement saying that he would reassess the discipline handed out and could be further disciplinary action. Uh, Then on Monday, two former players came forward with allegations of racism against Fitzgerald and the coaching staff. 
Um, then it was later that day, Schilt announced the firing in a community announcement to the uh, university. And he stated that 11 current and former football players, and I say, now I say current and former, so that kind of, as I said, kind of blows the um, letter that said signed by the entire football team uh, kind of out of the water. Um, and he said it had been going on for many years. Now, on July 17th, there was more fallout as eight former players announced they were going to pursue legal action. They hired attorney Ben Crump, who has recently reported that he expects more athletes to join the uh, lawsuit once it's filed. Uh, on the 19th, an unnamed player uh, filed a lawsuit directly naming University President Schill and A.D. Derek Gregg and the Board of Trustees and former University President Morton Shapiro claiming the program was negligent in allowing the hazing to take place. Uh, Attorney Patrick Salvi, who filed the suit uh, for for that player, said that uh, he said athletes from other sports such as softball and volleyball were alleged to have the same toxic atmosphere. Uh, you know, Pat Fitzgerald is an alumni of, of Northwestern. He was uh, All-American back in '95. Uh, that's the year that they went 10 and one overall, eight and0 in the Big Ten. Uh, he played in the '96 Rose Bowl, where number three Northwestern was defeated by number 17 UCF, USC. Uh, it's 41-32. Uh, now, Fitzgerald has maintained that he didn't know anything about this hazing, and he has since. Reti uh, uh, retained a lawyer, uh, defensive coordinator David Brom, who was just hired last year, has been named the interim head coach. Well, now on to Foster. This is where it gets in. Three days after they fired Fitzgerald, they fired Jim Foster, uh, citing allegations against him that had happened prior to the baseball season. So they had an investigation prior to the baseball season, uh, which would have been around the same time, or maybe a little after when uh, the investigation of uh, Fitzgerald happened. H, uh, the HR department that, that uh, uh, conducted this investigation said that there was significant uh, evidence to suggest bullying and abusive behavior, and they cited inappropriate comments about female staff member, and they said that... Uh, Players were discouraged from seeking medical attention for injuries, uh, and they suggested remedial action was needed. The athletic department under Derek Gregg took no action to let him coach. Uh, after the firing, Derek Gregg had this to say, uh, this has been an ongoing situation and many factors were considered before reaching this, this resolution. As the director of athletics, I take ownership on our head coaching hires, and we will have to... We will share our next steps as they unfold. Now, it's been also been reported that some coaches left the baseball team at the end of the season, and at least 16, or up to 16, players opted and entered the transfer portal. Now, it's unclear if any of those guys are going to come back now that after the uh, coach has been fired. I don't know how many of them have gone on to new universities yet. I don't have that information. Um, but I don't think the smoke's cleared either. Uh, if you look at it, and you look at timelines, um, Fitzgerald wasn't fired until 
the reports came out in the school newspaper. So if the school newspaper could get those reports and publish that information, doesn't it seem logical that Schill would have already had that information and he just chose to suspend and things were going to go on? You know, and the the statement by by Derek Gregg, uh, it's it, and with lawsuits, I think this is going to get a lot stickier before it gets a lot better for Northwestern. I can tell you that right now. Um, and it's going to be very interesting come uh, July twenty sixth when the uh, Big Ten media days start. That's for sure. I'll, I'll I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, next, I want to give you my thoughts on the Cardinals. But first, we all know how important it is to stay protected. And just like an offensive line protects the quarterback in the pocket, you need to have the things in your life protected. Because we all know, sometimes life throws you a curve. And that's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates. They've got savings for you. Give Sean and his team a call today, 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. And I mean, that's just how they work it, folks. Uh, even give them a call if you just want to talk sports, because they do that too. So that number, again, is 636-764-6294. With work and kids and social functions, we all have busy lives. So you can also email Sean, Sean Wiley, at Allstate.com. That's S E. A-N-W-I-L-E-Y at Allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. All right, well, folks, uh, the Cardinals are on a roll, as I mentioned earlier. They're 6-1, and one, uh, uh, actually 7-1 and one now since coming out of the break after beating uh, the Cubs tonight. Uh, they are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And I'm going to temper that with saying that Four of those ga- those wins uh, are against the White Sox and the Nationals, um, and three wins, however, though was uh, were in a three-game sweep of the Marlins at Bush Stadium. That was uh, fairly impressive. I was at the uh, Monday game, and that was just a fun, fun game to watch. Um, now, since Coming back from the All-Star break, the Cardinals are averaging six runs a game, uh, a little over nine hits a game. They've got five double-digit hit games in their last six. They're only allowing four runs a game. Uh, Three of the last five Cardinal starters have gone six innings or more. Uh, Actually, you could say three of the last four because uh, Thursday's, uh, excuse me, uh, Wednesday's game was a bullpen game. But, you know... um, and Matt's went five innings tonight, so he just he didn't miss it by much. And overall, going to tonight's game, the bullpen has just been brilliant in the second half. Uh, they've uh, four and one, uh, not not counting tonight's game. I don't have the stats for tonight's game as far as the bullpen goes, uh, but a three six nine ERA with twenty five strikeouts and six walks. Uh, now they are giving up a lot of hits, thirty three hits in twenty seven and two thirds innings. Uh, but there's only but they've only allowed 12 runs in those innings, so you know there's a little bit of a trade-off. They're allowing some hits, but they're shutting the door. Now there's a couple guys I want to point out, and the first one is Dakota Hudson. Since coming back, 
called up, I should say, in July 1st. He's thrown 13 innings in five games. Now, he's given up five runs. Only four were earned. Uh, he has given up 14 hits, struck out eight, and walked three. Uh, but there's a couple games that he came in huge in. Uh, July 15th, he came in of uh, Stephen Matz, pitched three and a third innings, saved the bullpen some, some arms because Matz only went four in that game. And he only surrendered four hits with no runs, striking out two, walking nobody. On the 19th, he did give up two runs in three innings on five hits, uh, but he struck out three, walked one as the opener in a bullpen game. So he's actually done a fairly good job. Uh, then you've got Giovanni Gallegos, who I know a lot of people get on him because he, he has a couple games here and there that they just he can't seem to find the plate or whatever. But there was only like two of those games uh, in in June, and so far in July, he's pitched seven game or uh, yeah seven games with a uh, totaling seven and a third innings, one point two three ERA, a one point two five FIP. Opponents are only hitting one eighty five against him, nine strikeouts to just one walk. Uh, then you've got Jordan Hicks, who became the closer before the All Star break. Uh, since becoming the closer. Uh, he's appeared in 12 games with getting eight saves, 2.19 ERA, 1.91 FIP, 13 strikeouts to just two walks. Now on the offensive side, on the offensive side, uh, there's a couple guys named Nolan that are just tearing the cover off the damn ball. Uh, Nolan Gorman before tonight's ball game was slashing 409, 435, 818 slugging percentage with three doubles, two home runs, nine RBIs. Only five strikeouts in 23 plate appearances. And I say only five strikeouts because that's only a 21%. And if you go back to what he was striking, what in June, I think he was averaging just in June alone, averaging almost 40% strikeout. So that's huge. Uh, Aaron Nottle since the break is 364, 407, 682 with two home runs and 10 RBIs. Brendan Donovan, even though he hasn't been able to play in the field much, has been uh, using his bat, uh, uh, hitting a cool 348. Uh, 400, 630 in July. Now, the last couple weeks and after the All-Star break, he's kind of cooled off, but he's still hitting 286, 375, 762 with two home runs and seven RBIs. Uh, Tyler O'Neill came back tonight, uh, his first game back from since being on the uh, IL, uh, played in left field, uh, and he, had, uh, he was on base three times. Um, now, what that does is that makes... Uh, Dylan Carlson, the odd man out, which I'm not real really understanding that well. Um, and I'll, but I'll get to I'll get to my reasons why I think Tyler O'Neill's pulling left left field here in a little in a little bit. Uh, they've and they're getting contributions from other people. Uh, Contreras, uh, Burleson has been playing very well. Newt Bar, uh, you're just start, you're starting to see this team I think come around and gel. Um, you know, can it be, is it too little too late? Well, we'll find out. Um, but, uh, before we find out about that, um, don't you just love this summer heat? I mean, really, it's great. No, it is not. I know. I know. It's not great. But it does remind me of my youth. You know, uh, you had the hot summer and you were, I I went out with, I would mow lawns for uh, some uh, older relatives, uh, my grandmother and a couple aunts. Uh, I helped farmers uh, walking beans and baling hay. And if y'all don't know what walking beans is, that just means you go up and down the field with this little curved hoe and you pull up weeds out of a bean field. I I did that for years. 
you know, we would go out and, you know, do all that stuff and then grab a, a garden hose or a thermos with some water in it and chug it all down. Uh, you know, if we were lucky, maybe uh, the the little lady would come out with a with a glass of lemonade, or the farmer's wife would come out and and with a couple jugs of iced tea for the crew. I mean, that was if you're lucky. Uh, you know, but then they came then came the sports drink uh, era. You know, um, when, when when you know Gatorade and all those guys came out uh, back in the well, what was it, late seventies or you know, um, but. There's a new way to hydrate. It's called hydration multiplication from liquid IV. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, two times faster the hydration than water, and three times fast, three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's conveniently packaged, so you can take it anywhere, to the beach, to the gym, to your office for a quick pick-me-up. Hey, if you're out working in the field like I used to, you're out mowing a yard, you got a little big old thermos there, throw a couple sticks in your in your half gallon water jug and, and you know, use it there. It comes in twelve delicious and refreshing flavors, including strawberry lemonade, tropical punch, and pina colada. You get the benefits of vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12, vitamin C. It's non GMO, gluten free, contains no soy or dairy. Now, Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So, Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code GCS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using the promo, promo code GCS at liquidiv.com hey are you ready to shop better hydration you can also use my special link zen.ai slash talking sports on the bleachers you can save 20% on anything you order with that link so see what hydration multiplication can do for you give liquid IV a try alright so the Cardinals have about 10 games left before the deadline now, seven of those games are going to be against the Cubs, three against the Diamondbacks, who are struggling a little bit right now. Uh, the Redbirds are, right now, after tonight's game, are 44-53, and 53, nine games under five hundred. Uh, I think there's still about ten games out, because I think the Brewers won today um, uh, from first place. I'll check that as I, as I talk here. Um, they uh, were, as of before going into tonight, they were... Uh, nine games out of the wild card race. So let's just say that, uh, you know, they continue this pace. You know, play, right now they're playing about 800 balls. So let's say they continue this pace. Now, that's going to give them about eight more wins, which is going to put them uh, right around 52 and 55. Just three games under 500. Uh, you couple that with the teams, like I said, that are slumping, like the uh, uh, Mets. Uh, Cubs, Marlins, Phillies, Padres, Reds, all these guys are slumping. So you add all that in, and, uh, you know, it's not that hard to see where St. Louis could actually be in a, in a little contention. Yeah, just checking on the time, Milwaukee did win, so they're still uh, 10 games behind the Brewers. Um, but, yeah, like I said, and 
you know, I know a lot of people are saying, well, blow it up anyway. You're not going to, the, the postseason is trash. And, you're not, and that may be true. I'm not saying they've got a chance to make the postseason. But what I am saying is, how can that not? And, and I know John Mozalak has come out and said that uh, something to the effect, and I don't know the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of uh, what takes place over the next couple weeks uh, will have very little to do with how they approach the trade deadline. i got to believe that's a bunch of hooey. If they get into a situation where they're only, say, four games out of the wild card race, you know, uh, six games out of the division lead by the end of this month, how does that not alter what they're going to do? Now, I know there's still, now, that doesn't mean, and I'm not trying to suggest that you, you know, throw it all to the wind and, and, and make the push for this year and get guys that aren't going to be around next year. You know, uh, guys like a Giolito, who's a free agent. Uh, Martin Perez is a free agent. Guys like this that, that you know, names have been thrown around as, as possible targets. You need to get somebody that's not only going to be here this year, but next year in the future, because you're actually working for next year with the eye that, okay, if you're in it this year, maybe you, you make a couple moves that help this year out a little bit. You know, get yourself some footing for next year. Don't think that this team is going to be completely different on the field. Goldie's not going anywhere. Arenado's not going anywhere. Um, I don't, you know, you know, Contreras is not going anywhere. I don't see Newt Bar leaving. Walker's not going anywhere. Gorman's not going anywhere. You know, so I think the basic core is not moving. It ain't. It ain't going anywhere. Now I do see there are some people that are going to be gone. Um, you know, we're not 100% sure who you and I don't know. I mean, only Mosellock knows who's he trying to deal. Uh, but the reason they're going to trade some of these guys is they're going to need pitching because that's been the, the bugaboo for this team all year is the starting rotation. But now with Michael, with uh, Michaelis and Montgomery and Flaherty all pitching very well, uh, Matt's has looked pretty good in two out of three of his last, two out of the, the last three games that he's pitched. Um, you know, there's reports that Wainwright could be Ready, he said he feels great, but then again, you know, he tends to be a little optimistic, so we don't know what, what Wayne, Wainwright's going to be. But the idea that Monty is going to be traded uh, just because he's a free agent, or Flaherty just because he's a free agent, if they're in this thing, or close to being in this thing at the deadline, I don't see them trading Montgomery or Flaherty unless... They can get a deal for somebody who is of the same talent level, but they've got a couple years, and meaning they'll be around at least till 24, 25. So, I mean, I, I, here's my scenario, what I see can happen with, with the pitching staff, is that um, by the time the deadline gets here, one of either, either Flaherty or Montgomery could be gone because they are valuable trading chips. Uh, and you pick up maybe a couple of, of, of MLB-ready arms that may be on the up-and-coming but not quite there yet. If you package Flaherty with, say, Tyler O'Neill, uh, which is the reason I think he is going, he has been in, in, uh, inserted, if you will, as the uh, everyday left fielder because they are trying, I think, to uh, 
increase his trade value, add him with Flaherty, and now you've got uh, the makings of getting a pitcher, you know, probably a number two, uh, who has got a year or two left on the contract, at least a year plus on his contract, that will help you this year plus next year. I think Montgomery is probably a, a bigger chip than Flaherty at this point because of uh, Flaherty's injuries. But I also think that the Cardinals could conceivably wait until the end of the season, not trade uh, Montgomery, and then try to sign him to a QO. Now, he does have agents. His agent is Scott Boris, so that could play into a lot of it. Uh, you know, maybe they try and do a deal for a, a quick three-year deal, um, which I don't know if he would take. Uh, and the QO would be around $20 million, which is about what some of the better – uh, number two starters, which uh, Sport Track has uh, uh, Montgomery listed as a starting pitcher, starting pitcher number two, and you know you're talking about guys like Aaron Nola, uh, Martin Perez. Uh, both those guys are 17 million, 23 million dollars, uh, or actually the other way around. Uh, Nolan's 20, Nola is 23 million, Perez is 17 million on market value. Uh, they, they don't have a market value for Montgomery yet, so he may not go that high, and that may be one reason why the Cardinals wouldn't offer him a QO. Um, maybe offer him a three, a three to five year deal worth, say, fifteen million a year, uh, with some incentives. That might be enough to keep him here. Uh, I don't know, but you know that's also something they should have done in the spring. I mean, that's, let's just face it, that's something they should have done in the spring. But if they do trade him, he would be worth some fairly decent assets prospect-wise, plus at least an MLB-ready pitcher that you know we could use for the back end, which, like I said, we've already got enough of those guys. But you know, I, I just don't know how this is going to affect it. I would think, and if it were me, if I was that, if I were close enough where I might have a shot. I would think seriously about not changing my plans as far as trading for somebody or trading for for 24, but making sure that those guys that helped me in 23 as well. Uh, now, I mentioned Tyler O'Neill. I think he could be definitely gone um, because I think that's why they're shopping him in left field. Um, I mean, a lot of people are saying Dylan Carlson's trade bait. If you're not going to play him, if he's going to, now he would make. If somebody wants him as a fourth outfielder, he would be a hell of a fourth outfielder to have. So there may be some some validity to that. Uh, you know, you, maybe you trade a Carlson and a Montgomery, you can get a Pablo Lopez. Uh, maybe you get a Dylan Cease, um, somebody of that nature that that can be that that front line starter. Uh, I don't. I don't know how that all will all work. One guy, I think um, injuries are going to figure out whether he leaves or not at the deadline, and that's Paul DeYoung. Because right now, he's basically uh, he and and uh, Jose Fermin are your only shortstops, uh, because Donovan is now back on a non-throwing pro. I don't know why they don't put him on the IL. Um, he's hasn't been able to actually throw effectively for some time now. Uh, they keep saying it's a continuous flexor strain. Uh, he can hit, but he can't throw. And I don't know, you know, how that's benefiting. I mean, he's, he's hitting well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but even that's cooled off some. But you know, why not get him healthy and just wait? 
put him on the IL, get him in a, in a program, and get him healthy. Um, I mean, I know Tommy Edmonds already on the IL. Um, and like I said, you know, with Donovan not being able to play shortstop, uh, you've got two shortstops. You've got Fermin and you've got uh, DeYoung. And if you trade DeYoung, then what you've got left is Jose Fermin at short until Edmund gets back or Donovan's arm is healthy. And I'm not sure that's a really good scenario they want to be in unless, and here's the caveat to that, unless they plan on bringing in Mason Wynn. If they get rid of Paul DeYoung and Edmund is still on the I.L., Donovan is, well, he, he, we know he's not going to be throwing for at least two more weeks, so he'll be past the deadline before he'll be able, even back to throwing again. Do, do you call up Mason Wynn? I mean, that's not really a punt, as people are putting it, uh, because he's, by all accounts, he's done everything you're gonna, you can ask of anyone in Memphis. So do you call up for uh, uh, Mason Wynn and have him play short, you know, and, until everybody else is ready? Uh, not necessarily win the job this year, but interview for the job this year to win it for next year instead of having to do it in spring training? Uh, that's a possibility, you know. Uh, I know a lot of people want to burn it down. They want to trade Goldie, trade Arenado, get all these prospects, get this, get that. get. Uh, why do that? Because all you're doing is put, setting yourself up for another three to five years of mediocre baseball until these kids are ready. And we've already got enough. We're the second youngest team in the, in, 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 I think it's in the National League or in baseball. I'm not sure which. But we're, we're the second youngest team. Even with a 35-year-old goalie, a 41-year-old Wainwright. You know, you've got a lot of guys, though. Uh, Donovan's 25, I think. Gorman's 23. Walker's 21. Edmonds only 25 or 26. Burleson's 25. Uh, DeYoung, is a bar- DeYoung is even barely 30. Uh, Newt Barr's under 20, is around 25. Carlson's 20. So you've got, you know, we've got a young team. We don't need to get younger. We need to get more skilled and better. Or we just need to gel. Maybe that's been it all along. We just needed a gel. I don't know what the answer is. Um, but I think uh, over the next, uh, probably not much activity over the next, till about Wednesday maybe, uh, probably the 27th, uh, you may start seeing some moves of minor league players. Uh, you may see some guys, some teams clearing guys off their 40-man roster, you know, getting more depth in the minors in anticipation of deals that are going to be made at the deadline. So, you know, what's going to happen is anybody's guess. I do think the Cardinals will be sellers, um, but don't be surprised if big names don't leave the Cardinals. Um, I think probably the biggest name outside of of Montgomery that uh, you can see leaving St. Louis is going to be Tyler O'Neill. I I, I don't – I exit I don't see anybody else leaving. I mean, Kisner could be leaving. Um, you don't really need to carry three catchers. Um, you could see uh, Burleson probably be traded. Uh, but as far as guys like I said, you know, and, and Mazalex already said, uh, Goldie and Nader are going nowhere. I don't see Contreras leaving, although I hate to say it this way. I kind of wish they would 
because he could be worth something because he's really not doing what he needs, what he should be doing in St. Louis. Um, that's just my personal feeling. Um, I didn't like the movie to begin with, but then again, you already know all that if you've listened to me before. So I wouldn't expect any moves, big moves being made or big names being traded till say, July 29th, July 30th. Uh, and whether the Cardinals are in on that, that's anybody's guess. Well, that's about it for me. Uh, like I said, the Cards win tonight, 7-2 in Wrigley Field. Steven Matz was the winner. Uh, Jordan Walker with a big home run. Paul DeYoung with a home run. Uh, good game by uh, Arenado, uh, Gorman, and uh, uh, Walker with two RBIs each. Or excuse me, DeYoung, two RBIs each. Uh, not Gorman. Um, so I'm going to get out of here so I can start working on an article for Gateway City Sports. And if you want to find out uh, a place to get your St. Louis sports by-state coverage, check out gatewaycitysports.com, why don't you? It's a place to find news about the Cardinals, the Blues, the Battlehawks, City Soccer, even NCAA sports. You can check out the other podcasts, Team of Rivals with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. It's good for card cards and Cub fans. That's a winter podcast with Ryan Jenkins and Josh Brown bringing you their thoughts on the birds on the bat. The two for three with a mighty moose Mike Stevenson gives you more thoughts about the birds on the bat with a few extras. Russ Robinson and I join forces once a month to uh, produce the NCAA report, all things Missouri and Illinois from a fan standpoint. And coming back is the Derek King Sports Show with the man himself, Derek King. So come on over and check out gatewaycitysports.com. Now, before I get out of here, if you've enjoyed this show today, tell your friends. show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Player FM, Audible, pretty much any place you can find podcasts. If you hit your like and subscribe button for wherever you get your podcasts, you'll be notified of new episodes when they air. You can get a hold of me, or the show, I should say, on Twitter, at TSOTBGCS. Or you can email the show, tsotb.gcs at gmail.com. And I encourage both. I really want to hear from you fans. And especially if anybody, I'm going to say it again, if anybody actually cares who wins the home run derby, I want to know about it. Or give me, just give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on the whole all-star thing. Uh, you know, Am I off base by saying the home run derby is boring? Uh, do they need more skill competition? You know, is the game itself warned? Do they need to do it different? You know, give me give me your thoughts. Let me know uh, if you have anything on the northwestern uh, front. If you got any feelings about that, let me know. So just kind of give me give me an idea what you want to hear. We'll get we'll get it on. Uh, try to. As always, my wish to you is to have fun, stay safe. We'll see you again when we are talking sports on the bleachers. Good night, everybody.